Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and I am a week away from driving over to Moab, getting on a bus to Fruta, and running through the desert for six days. Uh, Something we've talked about on the podcast before, the Desert Rats stage race um, on the Cocopelli Trail. Um, We're a week out, so a week from today, I will be on day three of this race and i gotta tell you man this week's been all about all of the emotions all of the feels uh, that come with doing something completely outside your comfort zone so i'm at all points nervous <clears throat> excited like extremely energetic uh terrified <laughs> um and just i'm just really excited to step up to an adventure and have an experience and i think if you go into any sort of an adventure or any sort of challenge with the thought process of like what am i going to learn through this <laughs> you know like where you're like uh and i heard this on alternate podcast a few months ago and i'm like wow what a great way to put it um i can't remember who said it but basically one of the runners i think she was talking about she said every time she lines up at the start line of a race, she's like, all right, I'm going to learn something about myself today. I don't know what that is. Um, not sure what obstacles I'm going to face, but something will be learned. And uh, that's what I'm really excited to to experience. Um, today, I'm talking with Phil Pinty. Um, he is also signed up for desert rats him and a friend rachel are flying out on saturday and they're getting ready to go so i'm excited to meet them in person but uh i just thought it would be helpful mostly for me to sit down and talk with someone who is also signed up for this race and kind of just ask ask a bunch of questions um really talk ourselves through some preparation uh so we talk about training and how we've each trained for a stage race and you know here's the thing like neither of us have actually participated in a stage race before so it's like hey this is what we did for training we're not saying this is what you should do for training because we're not 100 percent sure uh that it worked yet <laughs> but uh so we talk about that but really we also talk about a lot of like the fine details of the race and something that was interesting to me as i as i thought about this this week is this this event is going to, I mean, if you break it all down to simplistics, literally for six days, all you have to do is keep moving forward, keep putting one foot in front of the other. And that's it. Like simple, simplistic view of it is really, you're like, wow, it can't get any more simple than this. Uh, but that being said, there's a lot of details that go into this. Um, a lot of things about like what kind of equipment you should bring, what you should pack, what kind of food you should eat, how you're going to manage hydration, how you're going to manage the heat, like all the obstacles that you're expecting going into it. So although it's you could break it down to put one foot in front of the other, and I'm sure there are going to be moments in the race where I just need to remind myself of that, like that is the most important thing. Um, there is a lot of thought that goes into preparing for this. And in fact, at this point, I'm really excited just to just to get started, just to be lined up Monday and told to go <laughs> because 
thinking about all this stuff really does actually kind of wear you down mentally. Um, <clears throat> I do want to really quick let you guys know um, the plans for the podcast. So I haven't missed a week. So this is episode 98 and I've done this for basically 98 weeks. I think we did a couple weeks where we did two in one week, uh, things like that. But I have not missed a week because I really believe in the power of consistent action. Uh, so I, when I started the podcast, I made a commitment to put an episode, put an episode out every single week and not miss one. And so far I've lived up to that. Um, so I'm proud to say this week, you'll be listening to this one with Phil next week. There will be an episode and it's going to be unrelated to desert rats. Although I'm actually like running the race at the time. And we'll get back to that in a second, how you can follow along and do all that fun stuff if you want. Um, but there will be an episode next week. And so that's going to be the week of June 18th through the 22nd. Um, and then the week after that, 25th through 29th, I'm um, going to be on a family vacation with my wife and kids. And basically we're out on the drive back from Moab. We're just road tripping through Southern Colorado and camping and seeing a bunch of really cool places that we've never seen before. Uh, during that week, there actually will not be an episode. I'm going to skip a week because I want to just be, cause I was like, I could bring my computer, you know, and go to some place with Wi-Fi and upload an episode and all that. But I just want that week to be fully committed to family. So everything else in my life is dropped away during that week. I'm taking all of that stuff away, fully committing just to the family vacation, just having fun with my wife and kids. Uh, so I'm taking a week off of everything <laughs> a week off of training obviously because i'll be after the race or post race a week off of the podcast you know a week off of anything that doesn't involve family so uh that's the update uh there'll be an episode next week i guess hopefully um soundcloud does something where you can schedule uh, an episode to drop so i'm gonna try that so i guess if you hear an episode next week that means it worked successfully and if you don't that means it didn't work uh <laughs> Um, yeah, so definitely check back to that. Part of me feels bad, you know, cause like I said, I do have a commitment to consistent action, but the other part of me is like, this is what needs to happen. And that way I come back with episode 100. I've gotten a lot of, I, last week I asked for ideas of what we should do during episode 100 and I got a lot of really good feedback and a lot of it pertains to like talking about my experience and other racers experience during the desert rats stage race, which I'm sure will be the next few episodes, uh, like episodes 100 and 101 or something like that. So anyways, uh, we'll come back with a really awesome episode for episode 100 that I hope you guys will all enjoy. Um, all right, I guess one last thing before we start this podcast, I know this is a long intro, um, but I do want to mention this. I've been reading, well, I've been thinking a lot about like, you know, why am I doing this race and what do I want to learn? What do I want to take away from it? And so as I'm thinking about that, I started reading this book. I've actually become recently obsessed with the uh, New Zealand All Blacks rugby team. Uh, one of the most successful sports teams of all time, if not the most successful. Um, and they have this book that I've been meaning to read forever. Uh, it's called Legacy. And you can partner this up. Amazon just released a series about them. And you can follow like a season of theirs. And I I love that. Like I'll, I'm into any documentary where you follow a sports scene. 
uh, for a season and kind of like highlight the ups and downs and all that. But anyways, they have this book called Legacy and it's about lessons that we can learn from the All Blacks. And I'm only like, I don't know, like a, th- a fourth the way through the book. So I haven't finished it yet, but already just my mind is blown. Like I've been brought to tears a few times. Uh, it's excellent. It's ex- There's so much just amazingness in this book. So the thing I realized is when I'm thinking about why am I signed up for Deserats? Why do I do anything that pushes me into discomfort? Um, and I think it's actually when you boil everything, when you boil everything down to like, what's the one reason I think it's the idea of humility. And it's this exploration of, of humility. Um, and so here's a couple of things from the book that I, that I have highlighted. Uh, it says, a culture of asking and re-asking fundamental questions cuts away unhelpful beliefs in order to achieve clarity of execution. Humility allows us to answer a simple question. How can we do this better? And I think that's what, I don't want to say everybody because I don't know what everyone's thinking, but I think for me, that's what I'm looking for. I, I'm looking for how can I do life better and i'm constantly looking for that how can i become a better dad how can i become a better teacher better husband better athlete? uh just how can i be better in general like how am i going to get the absolute most out of my life because at the end of the day we're all given a lifetime we're all given that that's a gift that every single one of us gets and it's a gift that we can use however we see fit. And I think part of using that to its full potential is just being conscious of, of that idea, like that you get this lifetime, being conscious of that, you know, like you're living your life. This is your most precious gift that you have received and you are constantly experiencing it every single moment. And I think finding humility helps us figure out how to live life in the best way possible um and the book legacy what it what it kind of what it kind of like postulates here is that humility is discovered through asking questions and by asking questions you receive self-awareness so um constantly questioning things and you know i'm a science teacher man i teach middle schoolers to constantly question everything that's my job you know as a science teacher uh but doing this about all aspects of our life so um it says asking questions challenges the status quo helps connect with core values and beliefs and is a catalyst for individual improvement And when I read that, what I'm hearing is asking questions and discovering humility is a way of really figuring out how to live your life the absolute best and how to be true to yourself. And, you know, obviously when you're doing a long endurance race or you're doing something challenging, you are asking yourself questions during these moments. Like you do have a dialogue through your head. 
Um, sometimes the questions are, why the hell are you doing this? <laughs> but, uh, but you are, you're constantly asking yourselves questions. Um, so I feel like an endurance event or something that is really challenging or really outside of your norm is the way to discover humility. So maybe you're not consciously like mentally asking yourself questions, although you do do that at times, but just by doing something insanely hard, you are able to, you're contemplating these things um, and you're searching for that humility. And I can't think of a better way to search for humility than run through a hundred degrees in the desert, camping out with other like-minded people and really bonding and connecting with them. And I feel like that's the way to bond and connect with myself. Uh, so that's kind of the last thing I want to say about this thing. Um, if you guys want to follow along, so, you know, if you're listening to this later, I guess you can't really follow along, <laughs> uh, which is the weird thing. But if you're listening to this this week and you're like, okay, next week the race starts June 18th and it goes through the 23rd. And if you want to follow along, I'm going to post a link to uh, the GPS tracker and you can follow uh, every racer in the event. Me, you can follow Phil because after you get to know Phil on this podcast, you're going to absolutely love him. Uh, follow his friend Rachel. Anybody who's doing the race, you can follow along, kind of see how, how everyone's doing each day. You can check in at the end of the day or you can actually follow like live, I guess, um, and it'll trace us. Uh but I also would highly suggest following Gemini Adventures um, on Facebook, on Instagram. They'll be posting updates throughout the race. I'm not sure if I will have time or energy or access to be able to actually post updates during the race. And I will post a couple times uh, right after the race before my family vacation really starts. But at that point... Um, the plan is to really kind of just completely immerse myself into having fun with my family. So uh, you probably won't get a lot of updates until episode 100 of this podcast. But like I said, follow Gemini Adventures live. Uh, follow them on Facebook, Instagram. Sign up for their races. They have some cool stuff. Phil and I talk about this. I've done two of their races so far. I mean, it's quality. It is professional uh, race directing, just quality stuff there. Um, and then if you haven't listened to the other podcasts, we've done two about desert rats and I hope, uh, that you guys can experience my maybe naivety and my, uh, nervousness and my laser focus, uh, and me just questioning, how am I going to get through this race? Uh, which the other couple podcasts we've done about this have hopefully brought out. So, all right, super long intro. Um, let's get into the actual conversation. So this is Like a Bigfoot number 98 about desert rats, and this is interviewing participant Phil Pinty, who you can follow. Uh, let me look it up really quick. I don't want to send you to the wrong place. Uh, his Instagram's excellent, super inspirational. Um it is called macho underscore man underscore runneth. Uh, so please follow Phil and I'm sure he'll have updates for you about this crazy event as well. All right, let's get into it. Uh, let's talk Phil Pinty. Here we go. 
Okay, so this is going to be our third Desert Rats like preparation, I guess, <laughs> podcast. And uh, today I have Phil Pinty, and I'm Phil. I'm like super excited just to meet you and hang out with you in the desert over the next week. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Same here. Yeah. So welcome, welcome to the show, man. Um, I know I don't know a lot a lot about you, but I do know you're from Maryland, right? Like East Coast running. Yes. So yep. so how's that been? How's that been preparing for a like Western desert race while living on the East Coast? So um, when I entered the world of parenthood, uh, somebody once said to me, you know, the fact that you realize you have no idea what you're in store for, like that's the first that's the first step and in regards to being an East Coast uh, runner that's heading out west and the terrain and the elevation and everything like that, I've just been trying to uh, plug away in regards to like the trail running that we do have out here. Um, running a lot of races up in Pennsylvania and running races on the like along the AT and whatnot, yeah. just trying to get the elevation in and also registering for multiple races on multiple days for multiple weekends so yeah man that's cool i used to live in virginia so i don't know i always feel like people from like the west coast kind of have this perception of east coast running as quote unquote like easy but Mm -hmm. i don't and then i'm just like go out and run it man like run on the at and you will find yourself in a world of hurt (laughs) yeah like it's insane. I think it's, I think it's all the other. I think it's all the other things that go along with, like just East Coast running. I mean, we we have a whole different, you know, just in the stretch from like Maryland to, you know, South Carolina or Georgia or something. Just like the temperature variance, uh, humidity, elevation. Um, it's almost like running in a tropical forest in some locations. So, you know, there there's different different variables to train for different types of things. But, you know, I wouldn't say one is necessarily harder than the other. Yeah, definitely, man. You got the humidity and then, I mean, that's where I learned to fall in love with trail running. So just the, uh, spider webs in the face. That's, that's what I remember about (laughs) East coast running the most spider webs in the face. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, man, like it's like any obstacle you're facing ultimately is leading you, towards success for whatever you're going to try. Cause it's a teaching you to be adaptable, mm-hmm. you know? So, so I yeah, think, I think that a, a, another thing to take into consideration is like you, if you hear of somebody who's attempting to like run their first marathon or something, you know, you, you'd ask them, well, what other races have they run before? What type of training program are you, are you doing? Or do you have any races lined up that are going to be like preparatory races, you know, to get your, your race nutrition locked on or what's your go-to sneaker or stuff like that. So I just think for both of us, you know, realistically, I've been following you on social media and everything. You, it'd be foolish to not have races planned ahead of time. It'd be foolish not to, you know, challenge yourself. If if you're going to be running a marathon, you know, at the very least, a half marathon in there, you know, at least half since. And, you know, you and I, we've never run, a stage race like this before we're going to run 150 miles over the course of five or six days. But what can you do to your, what kind of, you know, what kind of, can you do to yourself metaphorically kind of putting yourself through the ringer to prepare yourself for that, you know? And 
so that's I think that's kind of the stance that you know you and I take <laughs> with a week with a week left to go. I don't know what else we can do with on the paper right now. So yeah, yeah, no, it's hilarious, man. I was thinking about. Today, when I was, you know, preparing for to talk to you, I was like, man, how much do we even talk about training? Like, it'll be interesting to hear about what we've done, but it's kind of like at this point, there's nothing else you can do. Uh, you know, like we're, we're either prepared or not. And the thing I think is really interesting is looking at your ultra signup. I mean, I feel like we're really similar where... Uh, I love the 50k distance and I've ran a couple 50 milers, but beyond that, I've never, I've never attempted anything as crazy as a stage race. Yeah. I have some friends here that are trying to talk me into running a hundred miles in one yeah. in stretch. And I mean, after the way I, I mean, my heart goes out to them. Kudos to them. Any that does a hundred miles. Um, for me, I think I think a 50k is kind of that golden distance. Um, I, was, I, I got a few marathons in there, and they just kind of weren't scratching that itch anymore. And then 50k's trail runs, you know, being in an open trail and you know nature and stuff, that's just kind of like that that perfect distance for me. But yeah, man, <laughs> some of the miles are brutal. But <laughs> oh yeah, man. So what 50 miles <clears throat> have you done? Um, my first one was actually kind of like a time endurance race. There's a group up in Pennsylvania called uh, Pretzel City Sports. And my hometown's actually right in Pennsylvania. And um, for Labor Day weekend on um, the Sunday of Labor Day, they do one called the Labor Pain. And it's a 12-hour endurance race. And the thing, honestly, like the big takeaway from that one that I just love about this race, it's a five-mile loop and you have 12 hours. So... You know, people that come out that day, like the most they've ever done is a five day, or the most they've ever done is a half marathon. And the fact that you're doing these five mile loops, and you come, you can come back in and grab a case of beer, some soda, or you know, they have a whole bunch. Like that, that race is probably the best gate stations and uh, checkpoint you'll ever see in, in an ultra, at least on the East Coast. But um, just seeing people left and right, like they break boundaries and reach personal goals and stuff and leading into that race for myself personally, I didn't. So my first ultra was in February, 2017. And then this one was in September. So it was like my second or third ultra. And I didn't want to tell anyone. I didn't want to tell any of my friends or on social media, like put out what my goal was, but in my head, I knew that I wanted to be there and I uh, came in to probably just under the gun by like less than a half an hour or something. Wow. Um, it's like 1130 something. But that for me was just, you know, we all have that moment, whether it's in running or in our lives or something, where like you do something that you really, really honestly want thought is impossible. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not really built like a runner <laughs> too much. I'm kind of built more like a, a running back or something. But um, yeah, that was that was a big goal for myself. But um, up to this point, I think I've done like two or three altogether now. Okay. How do you feel yeah. like at the end of a 50 miler? Because that's what I keep reflecting on. Where the last one I ran. I just remember the last, I don't know, 10 miles, I could barely move my legs. And now I'm, <laughs> now I'm thinking to myself like, dude, you got to do that. And then the next, yeah. you know, in the next few days run a whole bunch more. So mm -hmm. I think I saw on like a Facebook, um, one of the Facebook ultra groups and, um, 
you know, we were all there once. We were all asking, like, you know, the kind of newbie questions. I, I don't – some people get so offended, like, oh, my God, is this your first race? Or, like, you're such an idiot or something. Like, that I, drives I, me it, nuts. It's very humbling. Yeah. It drives well, me nuts I, when people I, I, do yeah. that because, like, you guys started there yeah. too, you know? Absolutely. You were the one asking, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I appreciate those questions because it's kind of very humbling to kind of think the way you – thought when you first started running or in preparation for your first ultra and stuff. But, um, somebody had asked, is it okay for me to walk or something during like my first 50 K or something or first 50 miler? And, you know, anyone who has done a 50 miler, you know, knows that there are times where you come to a fast, a brisk walk or a hike or the terrain is so rock, like rocky and rugged, you know, unless you're in the top one percentile, you're not, you're not trucking up that. So, um, I think sometimes I need to be more patient with myself and kind of go be a little bit easier. I mean, especially going into the desert, it's like <laughs> all the warnings we've gotten from Reed or others that have done it is just do not go out too fast and like pace yourself. So I think it's better to, Yes, there's cut all every day, and yeah, that's always going to be in the back of our mind. But I think it'd be better to head into a Wednesday or Thursday and be like, you know, what? I still got a lot more in my tank yeah. than go out and get heat exhaustion like the first day or something. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. One, well, I think you're, from what it sounds like, you're approaching it kind of in the same way I am, where it's less of a race and more of an adventure, uh, more of an experience <clears throat> of like, I mean, because we were just talking the main thing that I'm looking forward to for this race is exactly what you said. Um, meeting, you know, meeting a group of like-minded people and like going on this like crazy adventure and seeing all these beautiful places that otherwise, like, you know, we're going to be in the middle of the desert. Most of the time, most of the time you're not going to visit these places. Um, and really Mm -hmm. being able to like, I don't know, just kind of, it sounds kind of like hippy dippy to be like become one with the desert, but like that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, yeah. No, I feel like there's been many a times doing an ultra that you kind of get to that euphoric place, like whether it's intentionally. I mean, a lot of times you can't you can't force yourself. That kind of goes against against the grain. But you're you're powering through, and you start feeling those twangs of uh, pain and your legs start cramping and then you kind of keep comfortable, not comfortable. You, you healthily push against it. You don't push too hard. You know, you, you monitor your breathing almost like you're doing like labor you know, breathing for, for pregnancy or something like that. Not that I know what that's like, but with my wife and everything. And you, you kind of get yourself to another level. And I think it'll be cool to, you know, we're out there for the entire week. So, to kind of stay in that, as you said, tippy dippy kind of like Zen like feel, you know, it's like at the end of the race, how many times have we finished a race and like we're hanging out with people afterwards and you just feel great. You have that runner's high, you're surrounded by like-minded people, there's this positive kind of energy going around. And I think it'd be cool to just kind of like stay in that, you know, wake up the next morning in a tent in the middle of the Moab desert and be like, man, this is like, it's really happening. Yeah, so definitely. man. Where yeah. did you, where did you hear about this? Um, I would have to blame my friend, Rachel. Um, she's actually the one that got me hooked on to doing these, these Pennsylvania races. And, uh, 
at the time I was just started kind of getting into the ultra world and this pretzel city group still sends out like paper flyers in the mail. Like I mean, no disrespect by this, but it's, it's almost kind of like comical. Like you, you get this letter in the mail and you know, there's like six, eight, ten flyers for like their upcoming races. They put on a whole slew of races throughout the year. And uh, it was one of the first times we were kind of hanging out with each other. And she's like, someone's registered for this one, this one, this one, this one. And like, you know, labor pain is in there in the mix. And I was like, nope, not doing that one, not doing that one, not doing that one. And uh, long story short, I pretty much did every one that she threw out. And <laughs> then I think she was like snooping around on ultra sign up or something like that. And one way or another, we, we stumbled upon this race. And then coincidentally enough or whatever you want to say uh she had thrown out the, the, the desert rats and then it was like i don't know if you got in before like the, the january 1st cutoff before like the prices increased or yeah, whatever but yeah. i actually i registered before she did like it was kind of like we you know flipped roles but at that point i you know after doing those ultras and stuff like that i was just kind of looking for something to kind of you know I, I don't know about you chris but like the way i feel right now i haven't felt this you know, we all get that like pre-night anxiety, you know, you lay out your flat crisp and you, uh, you get your nutrition squared away and you might go off for like a nice pasta dinner or something. But like, man, it's Monday, it's Monday before desert wrap of the previous week. And like, I'm already starting to feel that feeling. So I think, I think for me personally, at that point, I was just looking for something to kind of like push the limits, <laughs> you know, yeah. for lack of a better word. So yeah man that that rocks so what's what's like what's your background even i mean have you always been a runner you you mentioned that you don't really have the runner's build and like i don't necessarily consider myself self for having the the like classic runner's build either so and i know for me like my background was all you know like contact sports and all that fun stuff so mm. what what was your yeah. back, like athletic background coming into this um so in high school, uh, I wrestled and I played, I played football and, um, then I went to college, uh, Westchester university in Pennsylvania. Um, and I didn't make like the walk. I didn't even try to like try out for football or anything like that. And, um, I met some guys that were playing rugby at the time and I never had any experience playing rugby, but me, myself and another friend, we went to like the first practice and we're like, you know, it's just a full out contact. Like it's our, we have no idea what we're doing. Yeah. It's just like a complete melee. There's people getting thrown all around and uh, like, this is freaking awesome. Like sorry. <laughs> sign us up. So I wrestled, I wrestled throughout college or I'm sorry. I played rugby throughout college. And then um, after ironically or whatever, um, my freshman year at school was when like nine 11 happened. And um, so long story short, I was going to Westchester for school. And then I also joined the Marine reserves while I was in school. So I would like actively drill and, and do all that stuff. And I think boot camp, probably summer of 02 was, uh, my first taste of just running for running sake. You know, like we had to, uh, there's a PFT, a physical fitness test that all folks in the military have to, uh, you know, meet, meet the minimum standards. And I never, I mean, I would run at practice and we'd run hills or do whatever, which was just miserable. And, you know, during wrestling season, putting on like, you know, windbreakers and breaker pants and like running the stairs for half an hour just like to lose weight. But I never just really ran to, for the sake of it. And I think probably like in the Marines and just running, you know, 
that, that's where I got you know the taste of running. And then um, I just started doing some like local races. Um, I always had a there's a place here in Pennsylvania called you know Hershey Park, Hers- Hershey, Pennsylvania, yeah. and they put out a few races throughout the year. And uh, I've done they have a half marathon. I've done every single one since they since they started that race. I just want to kind of like streak that one. And also, I have a passion for the Marine Corps Marathon in DC. So it just—it was just one thing, kind of like led to another. I'm sure you know the story pretty well, but you know, you you do a race, you prepare for it, and you complete it, and then it's like, you know, you're like that was the worst experience of my life, and then like a day later, you're registering for like two more races. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, man, dude. Okay, we have to nerd out about rugby because that was my same kind of path there. Um, in college, I joined the rugby team and it was, I actually, we had like senior year of high school. We started, they started a rugby club at our school. And I remember the first mm-hmm. practice, my buddy, we're doing like tackling drills and you know, I'm used to mm-hmm. football with the helmet and everything. And so he, he runs up and tackles me and I just get this nosebleed and I'm like bleeding mm-hmm. all over my shirt. My shirt is like covered in blood. Mm-hmm. And I went over to my yeah. girlfriend's house afterwards, who's my wife now and like knocked on her mm-hmm. door and she opened it. She's like, Oh my God. And I'm like, rugby is the best. <laughs> I'm just covered <laughs> in blood. So yeah, man, yeah. what, what, uh, what position were you? I played hooker. Okay. <laughs> um, I was too big. I was too big to play at bat. You know, they asked you like, you know, what position do you play in football or whatever? And yeah. like, I wasn't speedy enough or, or didn't have the hands to play like a back or anything like that. And they're like, you'd be a perfect hooker. So they slam me between two big, for anyone who doesn't know, you know, rugby, you got the two props up front yeah. and then the hooker plays that middle position that like fishes with her leg and stuff like that. So, and yeah. the hooker How basically like during the scrum, these two mm-hmm. like giant guys lift you up and your arms are around their shoulders. And then they just yeah. like, you like have no control over it, but they like just ram your head and neck into another group of guys <laughs> yeah <laughs> it has to be the most painful yeah, position crazy. yeah because i was um like inside and outside center so one of the backs mm-hmm. so i was never you know i'd always look at the guy playing playing hooker and i'm like man how do they do that without like just being in the most amount of pain of all time so mm-hmm. I, I have a hard head i guess and my, my shoulders are pretty pretty broad like i Honestly, like after playing hooker for like a game or two, I'm like, I, I didn't really see a better position because it's kind of like the best of both worlds. There'd be times where we'd have a scrum and the ball would like get jumbled or whatever between the backs and it'd pop out. And like, you know, as soon as it hits the ground or whatever, it's like a live ball. So like, I just love, I think that thing that was so great about it was, you know, it didn't matter what position you played, especially for somebody who played football before, yeah. like anybody could score a try, which was just awesome. And just the, you know, for lack of better words, like just the smash mouth speed of, I had like newfound respect for like anyone playing soccer because I just felt, you know, rugby is a perfect mix of, of just speed, agility, endurance, you know, so many guys would come out and play rugby and like lose like 20, 30 pounds. I mean, aside from the drinking the beer after like the rugby games and <laughs> yeah. stuff. But, yeah. Cause they're, they just weren't used to that level of activity for that amount of time. You know, yeah. at, at that time that was, probably one of the best workouts i've ever had for just playing rugby games yeah so. definitely i read somewhere yeah. that the uh forwards run like five to six miles a game and backs are like <laughs> yeah. seven to eight and i'm like geez man we all accidentally became endurance athletes sort of <laughs> that's absolutely true yeah. yeah that's cool man so so yeah, yeah well let's uh let's talk a little bit about desert rats training because even though like i said earlier 
at this point, I'm like, hey, man, I've done what I can do and we'll see how this goes. But uh, yeah, yeah, what what uh like what kind of did you do anything different for training or like how did you handle preparing for this thing? I I don't know if it's just where I'm at in running right now. Like I have a tendency to get like, you know, head over heels. Uh, I wouldn't say obsessed, but I think right now running for me is just kind of my jam. And, uh, I, I, I'm one of those people that uses like other races to prepare, you know, I, I think ultimately, you know, having registered for desert rats six months out, how did, you know, putting that mark on the calendar, gives you something to prepare for and plan for and everything like that. But I, I just pretty much use my race schedule as preparation. And like, some may look at it and be like, dude, like, what were you thinking or whatever? Like for like two or three weekends, they're back. April and March or like March and April, I think I ran like two or three weekends of like back-to-back races on Saturdays and Sundays. And, um, the the group that I run here with in Columbia, uh, rip it, rip it events. They had like two back-to-back 10 milers. And then I also ran a 50 mile after or before one and a 50 K before one. So over the course of like two weekends, I ran a hundred race miles together. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I mean, for people who aren't in the run, who don't run or for people who aren't preparing for a stage race, they're like, dude, you've gone off the edge, man. Like, you know, take a break. But there's something to say about like waking up the morning after, (laughs) after a 50 miler and being like, I almost, I mean, to be honest, I, I never, you know, DNS or DNF knock on wood, especially the week before desert rats. But, um, that the Sunday morning after that 50 miler, I was, I was close. I mean, Cause you're just, you know how it is after a 50, a 50 K or a 50 miler. And like your legs just don't, you're like willing them to do things and they're not, they're not really working. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that was just kind of, it may not have been the smartest thing. And I mean, obviously like during the weeks leading up to those races, I'm getting, you know, if I don't follow any sort of set plan, but like if a day I feel like running four, I run four. If uh, the next day I feel like running nine or 10, I run nine or 10. Like, um, I'm one of those guys that just kind of runs by feel. Um, I don't like being, I've never really liked being on like a set, set program, so to speak. What, what, what were you doing for yourself? Uh, I mean, about the same. I didn't do any like organized races since I did the, mm. uh, their trail running festival in April and that was a 50 K and the whole point of that, I was like, okay, I'm going to try out this nutrition, you know, kind of. Re- remind myself that I need sunscreen <laughs> because mm-hmm. I got like a crazy sunburn. Uh, and just like, long, you know, what, what, that was a 50K? That was a 50K, yeah. And it was actually, I'm okay. pretty sure it's like started and ended where we're going to start. So I think, like, I think the beginning on Monday next week, and I have no idea because I haven't done, I haven't looked at the map or studied the map super closely, but I think it starts where. Mm-hmm that race finished. Um, yeah. And so, you know, getting kind of familiar with the terrain and kind of getting excited about it in that way. Uh, so I did that. The, I wanted to ask you, what's the, what's the atmosphere? Like, I understand like that race is separate from, you know, the desert rats race, yeah. but like what, what's the atmosphere? Like, is it any different than like any other races you've done? Um, you mean as like, you mean with the other runners and everything like that? Yeah. Um, no man it's like it's like any other trail race that one actually surprised me because there was a lot of people so me and my buddy scott uh we did gemini adventures mountain rats in september and it was their first time 
putting that one on so it was like less you know less people and things mm-hmm. like that um and to go from that to like an established event like the trail running festival was like whoa there's like hundreds of people here um but yeah man like reed honestly puts on a great like a great he always both the courses i've ran so far have been great courses uh the you know the finish lines like any trail running finish line where people are just kind of hanging out eating some like grilled cheese sandwiches and you know just relaxing at the end uh so that mm-hmm. was kind of like you got to meet you got to meet Reed. That was before your your previous podcast, right? Well, no. So I, I actually I think I interviewed him that week of the trail running festival. Okay. Um, so I interviewed yeah. him then, uh, and then met him down there. And obviously, you know, he's like super busy, so I didn't get a chance to really like you know hang out too much with him at that point because that I think that event has to be like one of their biggest ones of the year. I mean, okay. obviously, Desert Rats yeah. probably takes a lot more energy and planning and stuff but like Mm -hmm. when it comes to like just the amount of participants that one has to be pretty big so how many would you say we're at we're at that one how many people oh man it was because they did uh the 50k and the marathon on saturday and then on sunday they did a half marathon and a 10k i might be wrong with those like something else and then a kids race so there was a lot of people like it was it was a big event for uh that town and everything so i'm trying to actually like reflecting back now that you say that it probably was the biggest trail running event i've done with like the crowd of people because you know i've done a bunch um like you know i've done there was a few like the run bum sean on the Mm -hmm. east coast uh he puts on amazing events too and there was a couple that like were probably about similar in size but um but yeah so it was it was cool man like reed does a great job it's it's you'll love it man like the and the course like you're on the edge of the colorado river to start and just on these like varying levels of cliffs and it's just it's a thing like it's a thing of beauty i don't know how else to describe it (laughs) um it's super like like i said i got sunburned really bad so that's kind of like a concern i guess is just the amount of sunscreen or like making sure i'm covered up and because there's no there's no shade though like that's the other other thing is like no shade whatsoever (laughs) so yeah yeah the the sun protection from the sun and also i think i mean it's, it's more of just a dry heat out there it's not that yeah. humidity and whatever but like you know if you get chafing in any particular area like i can imagine that would be just de- not like devastating but like that's hard to run on like it sounds like yeah. something so silly but like if you're chafing monday or tuesday of the week that can get really you know raw and like it can get really serious really quick so i think just like stuff you normally at least for me, I can just normally power through. It's just a half marathon or marathon or something yeah. like that. Like you just got to think about variables that you wouldn't normally like think that much about. Yeah. So. Dude, how do you handle chafing? Cause I, I, yeah, I'm the same way where I'm just like, Oh, you know, sometimes at the end of a race, I am chafing a bit, but I'm just like, Oh, I'm done now. Like now I can sit mm-hmm. down for a couple of days, but yeah, man, like yeah. do you have any strategies or anything? I've I've recently got turned on to a uh, to a clothing line, a pair line called Exoskin. Okay. And um, their stuff is like super super quick um, wicking, and 
it's multi-stretch and has built-in like aqueducts for like sweat to be channeled to certain areas and stuff like that. But I don't know about yourself, but like I'm packing extremely minimally for like, I know they're going to have like our drop bags that they bring to us every night and stuff yeah. like that. But somebody was saying, you know, all you maybe need are like two or three pairs of shorts and two or three shirts because I mean, with us having the ability at night to go down to like the Colorado and like wash out our stuff and everything. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to depend. I'm just going to really depend on that and just give that a real good test. But you know, you, you can't have in, in the military, at least we had the saying like, you know, cotton kills and stuff like that. I mean, obviously we're all runners and we, we know not to run in like, you know, our last cotton shirt or something like that. But I just think, you know, when it comes to socks, you and I are too, it's too close now to go out and try like that new tech pair of socks or something like that. But yeah. like any, any, it's not even corner cutting, just like anything you can do to alleviate any sort of problems that we may face. I think, I think you just, we just got to play it, play the high road, you know, like I'm not, I'm not going to wear, you know, crazy bells and whistles and just do anything. I'd say do anything that I wouldn't normally do, but that's that's not true. We both yeah. know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually I was so. curious about that because um you know, I I've been buying uh like n- new shirts and like a new like I have one of those desert hats, you know what I'm talking about? They mm-hmm. are the like yeah. least cool hats that you possibly can wear where they <laughs> they have the, the flaps and stuff. Yeah, the yeah. big flap. But I was like, "You know what? Like I might need this because, like I said, there's no mm-hmm. shade out there. So, you know, any sort of whatever, like, pr- like preventative measures. You, you, you see, take. you see pictures from people who've done this race before or run like bad water or anything. Like, you know what? It's not goofy if you're still running. You know, like <laughs> if people who wear like the arm sleeves yeah. and the Sahara hats and you know, big goofy old person glasses and stuff like that. No offense to that, but like. You know, I, I'm thinking about like compression sleeves, all my calves, compression sleeves, all my arms. Like they feel like cooling, cooling sleeves. Yeah. And you know, just anything to minimize the amount of sunlight that's like beating down on you. I, I don't think is a bad. I don't. I don't think anyone's going to be really dressing for uh, for looks. Yeah. But exactly. I don't know. It is desert. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I keep. I know I've mentioned this on another one of these podcasts, but. I just mm. I just typed in Deseret Stage Race and clicked images and there's just this image of the like beating hot desert like as bright as possible and there's this one boulder in like a tiny mm. amount of shade and then a runner sitting <laughs> in that tiny amount of shade and like that's the picture I imagine you know while yeah. while preparing yeah. for this thing so <laughs> I'm I'm looking at it I'm looking at it right now actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a great the lone, picture. The lone runner underneath the, the minimal shade of this boulder in the desert. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I think like, cause yeah, I was trying to look at equipment, like what are people re- wearing in it? It seems like people are wearing just like regular trail running stuff, you know? Um, yeah. Surprisingly, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, for as many pictures that I see people look that they're going on like a Raiders of the last arc, <laughs> like endeavor, there's, there's just as many people running in like, a fashionable tank top and a trucker hat, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Do you have a big, uh, like a pack that you're bringing or cause I bought this, uh, ultimate direction thing. That's like also a backpack kind of deal, but it has yeah. the bottles in the front. So it's like, it's bigger than like a normal vest. I would comfortably want to wear during a trail run. 
Uh-huh. It's actually, that's actually a funny story that you bring that up. Um, I have an all spray pack and, um, doing the local races around here on the East coast. I, I was getting like a lot of heat about like not heat, but, um, within my little running group, everyone's been like dogging me and been like, you know, sending me pictures of like little kids with backpacks and like <laughs> memes of like guys in the military stuff with just a huge, big, like military backpack. And yeah. for me, it works you know, being a bigger guy and it's got like these like hip holster things where like when the, when the pack is completely on me, I can, I can sh- like shove like six goos or gels like on either side of this holster thing. And when I'm running, it's, it's, it's as easy as, you know, doing any reaching in your pocket or something like that, but I can just reach down and get a gel and then not even have to like break stride yeah. to do that. So, and then I think like, what's the minimum requirement, like three liters that we have to have on us? Yes. I believe. Yeah, so it's like it's all these things that you wouldn't normally, you know, most people who are running ultras aren't preparing to like go on a freaking multi-day stage race. <laughs> yeah, and it's like I got I got tired of like explaining everyone in my group like had heard the story like three or four times. So like we know Phil, you're going out to the desert. Like you know, it, it became like a Seinfeld episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I just don't want to be. You know, if there's a minimum that you have to carry, you know, that's another thing: the packing list and like just the required things that we are we need to have on us. Um, you really can't mess around there. And with like, you know, the minimalist, you know, ult- ultimate direction or whatnot and, you know, orange mud, like no, no offense to those like holsters or packs or anything like that. But I, I think we need a little something more than that. Yeah, so, no, exactly. Man. Yeah. Cause yeah, it's, it's for me, I'm like, it's a massive amount of water that you have to carry, but I was just looking at the aid stations yesterday. I'm like, there's like 10 miles between aid stations. And when you're mm-hmm. tired, 10 miles can take two hours, two or, you know, three yeah. hours really. So it's like you have mm-hmm. to, and I know me, I like, I consume a lot of water. I need a lot of water and I need a lot of food. And uh, mm-hmm. if I don't have something that can carry that, like I'll be in huge trouble. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. I, it's actually the picture, the picture they use for the, um, the ultra, the desert rats page on ultra sign up. There's like a, there's a gentleman with like a bandana on his head. And he's got like a bigger, it's actually a whole row of them. They all got like bigger packs. Okay. And then I, I don't know. I think you saw on the required list. Like we have to coming into an aid station and every day when we come into the finish, we have to have at least a thousand calories yes. of substance like on us. So, I mean, they're, they're not messing around. I mean, they, they want to make sure if somebody gets lost or off or something, they're, they're going to survive. But I mean, you can't you can't just put that stuff in your pockets or like underneath your hat. Or yeah, yeah. What do you what do yeah. you bring in for food? Yeah. Do you have like a go to? Um, no. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to try anything. Obviously, I haven't tried before. Yeah. Um, Rachel, Rachel and I are teaming up, and um, we're either going to ship. We need to do that like either today or tomorrow. But we were thinking about we put the, we put together like a whole like care package thing that we were going to mail out to the, uh, the Gonzo Inns, like the headquarter hotel. And, uh, we're either going to mail it out or, or take it with us when we fly out. But, you know, just, I don't even want to say the standard, but just, you know, um, I like honey singer. I like goo. Yeah. Um, you know, stuff with stuff with a little bit more than just sucrose. Um, you know, any of the ones that have like amino acids in them or, um, obviously so, so do, sodium, like, you know, they're, 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 requiring that we have like salt tabs on us i've never raced have you ever supplemented with like salt tabs or anything um i've used yeah some sort of like electrolyte 
pills kind of deal. Um, mm-hmm. They actually work mm-hmm. pretty well. And actually, like during my training runs last week. Oh, so I guess I didn't mention this, but I did three days last week where I hiked slash ran 20 miles like right in a row awesome. just to see how I'd feel. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a teacher. So this was like, mm-hmm. I got summer, you know, the first week of summer. So I'm just like, Oh man, I gotta at least try this now to see how it goes. And that was part mm-hmm. of the strategy where I would drink, I drank like 20 ounces of water every hour. And then I would have mm-hmm. a, a electrolyte pill every hour. And I like mm-hmm. maintain, like, I'm not going to say I didn't, feel uncomfortable or super tired or whatever, but I was able to like do it as comfortably as possible. Mm-hmm. So they were I, I'm, a, well. I'm a firm believer. Yeah. Like they tell, they tell little kids or whatnot. Like if a little kid asks for water or is thirsty, like they're already, they're already thirsty you know? yeah. or they were, they already like need water, you know? And I think the game for you and I and everyone who's doing this race, like you we need to stay ahead of, by the time you feel thirsty or you feel hungry or you feel the onset of like a headache, like, like not that it's a point of no return, but it's, it's going to be a whole game of like staying ahead of that. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think we'll ever have a problem of consuming too much. I mean, I, I've never pushed myself like to that limit, but I don't know that that's going to be kind of my strategy without like overdoing it. Yeah, definitely. So I, I guess, yeah, I guess what I'm curious about is, Cause I know he mentioned that like the night before you make a lunch and you mm-hmm. like pack that with you, but beyond that, and you know, the aid stations obviously will have food, but beyond that, like, are you bringing anything, I guess, more substantial rather than like, you know, just honey stingers. Huh. Cause I'm not, I, I mean, I haven't yeah. planned anything yet, but I was like, should I bring, cause you know, for a regular day hiking or, you know, even some of the runs I've done in the past, like I've at least packed like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's actually a really good, that's actually like a really good idea. Cause I hadn't even thought about, or even like more of like, not just like junk food, but like more yeah. of like the creature comforts, you know, yeah. like I like who doesn't mind a little like beef jerky, like out in the trail or something. Exactly. Um, or like you said, even more substantial. Um, I really didn't give it that much thought. I mean, with them, with them, you know, putting this race on for us and, and providing the tents and the, and the food and everything. Um, it's probably not such a bad idea. I did read that at the end of the night, like we can't have any of our stuff with us though. Oh really? So it, yeah, like not, I, I don't, not that it's like fat camp or something like that, but I just think for like, <laughs> whether yes. like coyotes like out in the desert or whatever, but like, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. At the end of the night, <laughs> they, they hold on to, they secure like all our stuff up. Okay. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't mean that it, after the race you can't lace into some good like trail mix or something. Yeah. So I'm gonna actually give that. That's actually like a really really good idea. Just to have, you know, the special gummy bears that you like or something like yeah, just yeah. something to a little bit more than just the regular stuff. Yeah, man. I was thinking that, yeah. but then I'm like, what won't melt in the desert? Because <laughs> you can't bring Snickers. Or any, uh, and then yeah. I I ran this by my my buddy, uh, and he just like looked at me as if I was an alien, but I was like, dude, do you remember <laughs> Uncrustables? <laughs> like, do you, have you ever heard of these? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I, we eat them all the time on the East. Yeah, man. Yeah. He was like, these, mm-hmm. he's like those things that you got in high school. If you ran out of lunch money, but they still had to feed you. And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> I was yeah. Like, I'll see about bringing those because even if they melt, like it's all inside this 
peanut butter pouch kind of deal. So uh-huh. yeah, but what's we'll the shelf life? I mean, those things are supposed to be like frozen, right? I think so. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, on the desert, you can have like a nice little hot pocket, you know? No, exactly. <laughs> It'll be like yeah, like a hundred degree <laughs> peanut butter spewing yeah. out of there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that's cool. So are you? And then I guess the other question I was definitely going to ask you about, like just like sending equipment and supplies and stuff. Um, are you going to bring your own tent or are you setting up with everyone else? Um, we, we're going to be bringing our own, our own tents. Um, just, I mean, they're going to have, I don't know if they took into account, like, you know, who's bringing their own. And I think in one of the pre surveys that we filled out, they asked like, if you're bringing your own or not, but, um, we, we just felt that like with, you know, everyone's got our own um, race routines, rituals, preparation and stuff like that. And just to have, you know, I don't know, we, we kind of were like, you know, are we going to be missing out on kind of the experience of, of, you know, bunking with other people and stuff like that. But um, yeah, we're just, we're just going to camp on our own in, a, in our tent. Yeah, so. man. Dude, I've, yeah. that question, I haven't really figured out what I'm going to do yet. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, I, cause I've thought the same exact, like the same exact thought pattern as you guys have, where it's like, it'd be nice to have my own space, but then yeah, am I missing out on some of the camaraderie or whatever? So mm. yeah, no, I mean a few of the days, I don't want to say a few of the days, but I think Wednesday, you know, they have that in store for us. And then Friday, like the, the, the day next to last, yeah, like Friday yep. is just kind of like a total like chill day and, you know, we can go hiking or swimming in the Colorado or exploring, or I don't know if they're off games or something, but like no offense to the race. Like I'm so, I'm so absolutely stoked for the race, but like, I think it's just going to be all the auxiliary extra stuff that, you know, depending on the, the people that we're there with, the colorful personalities, the people from different backgrounds, you know, people who the veterans, you know, you and I are new to this thing. I, I think just a culmination of like all that stuff. It's like a once in a lifetime. I mean, it, multiple people have said that this race is like a once in a lifetime thing, but yeah. you know, every year it's probably a different experience than the previous. So, yeah. you know, I'm really excited about that. Definitely, man. Well, it's going to be cool. Uh, anything else you got, you kind of like are anticipating or, you know, kind of thinking might be a challenge. I know in the pat in the podcast with Reed, he was talking about blisters a lot. And then of course, you mm-hmm. know, I have the thought of, you know, I never get blisters, but y- everything <laughs> goes out the window when it's something you haven't done yeah. before. So, yeah. How many, how many pairs of kicks are you bringing with you? I'm bringing two shoes and yeah, that's a, mm-hmm. I didn't even for a while. I was like, I guess I'll just bring one, but then I'm like, that's, stupid because <laughs> what if it breaks and then i'm like well let's bring duct tape and then i was like no dude uh-huh. someone i think my wife yeah. my wife is always the voice of reason so she yeah she yeah. talks some sense into me is like you need to bring two shoes mm-hmm. i'm like all right and then oh and then yeah. this is like for anybody doing any sort of adventure you got to bring sandals for afterwards that's like the number mm-hmm. one tip i have <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. Uh j- just two shoes. Uh what about you? I have I don't know if this is a good idea or a bad idea. And I'm totally drawing a blank on like the model number or whatever, but I have I have a pair of uh New Balance um trail running shoes and I bought like identical pairs. Yeah. Um, you know, just different colors or whatever and I don't know you know, if that I've never I've never really done that before, but in my mind they're the exact same shoe, so it's yeah. like it's just it'll just give that pair of shoes, you know, in case they get wet one day or, uh, there's a, 
the only the only problem with that is if there's like a hot spot or something, there's potential that there's going to be a hot spot in both pairs of shoes. But then, yeah. yeah, I'm definitely bringing a pair of like recovery sandals, and then I also have like a pair of like Under Armour like boat shoes or something that like are like wicking and you know just like a pair of uh, kicks to like relax in. That's you know? cool, man. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you? I was thinking about this the other day too because I guess the biggest difference weather wise between out here and the East Coast, like where it's since it's super dry here when it's sunny it's so incredibly hot but like as soon as it gets shady it almost gets like cool again so i was thinking at night like am i going to be cold at night if i don't bring like a long sleeve shirt and then if i and then i was like if i bring a long sleeve shirt is that just a ridiculous notion like is that just hopeful no (laughs) <laughs> now i don't think i i uh i did some training in the marines out of like 29 palms california and stuff okay and we, we spent you know two or three nights out out sleeping out under the stars and you know absolutely what you said i mean once once the sun, the sun goes away and it starts getting a little dark and stuff like i don't i don't think uh you know even a hooded sweatshirt or yeah. like a long john type sweatshirt you know it, that's it's better to be, you know, nobody wants to be that guy that's like shivering as we're like sitting by the fire. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm going to bring some definitely like creature comfort, you know, yeah. maybe even like a pair of like nice, comfortable, like sweatpants or something like just to, yeah. just to chill. That so, rocks. Okay, yeah. sweet. It's good to talk to yeah. someone who's doing this because, you mm-hmm. know, I'm like, are these questions ridiculous or not? <laughs> oh, man. You never want to be that guy or gal that's like, odd man out or something like hey can i borrow that it's like no i only i only brought one yeah bro i'm sorry yeah (laughs) no exactly (laughs) you want an uncrustable uncrustable? i'll trade you we'll have like uh you know like uh, a bartering system going on exactly yeah exactly um yeah man what else anything else like that's a concern i know dude i like looking at the miles the other day i think it was yesterday i got done i went on a little run Cause I'm like kind of, I'm trying to taper, but also stay active, um, which is a weird Mm -hmm. balance. Um, but I got done with the run. Then I was like, I'm going to look at the miles again. And for a second, it kind of freaked me out. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) I was like, Oh my Mm -hmm. God, that's a lot. Um, but then I analyzed the cutoff times and I'm like, okay, this is totally reasonable and totally doable. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, falsely falsely quote read or anything like that but i believe he said when he was on your podcast that anyone who gets through like tuesday yeah he has like a hundred percent like success rate with those folks um i i don't know if that's a hundred percent accurate because i know that that thursday or something is like the long day where it's like 43 miles yeah so um i think i think just going into it with the mentality that as long as you're making the cutoff, like so many people have said in, in all the running that I've done, it's, it's only ever like you against you, you know, like I, I think you and I, I've been, I've been following you for a few months now. I think you have like a, a, a competitive nature, like, like myself and everything, but like going into this thing, I think you really can't be worried about anyone else's performance or how they ran or what their time was or anything like that. Cause if you, if you start playing those games, I'm not, I'm not like saying this to you. I'm saying it so I can hear it for myself. Cause <laughs> you know, I think as long as you can stay in your lane, so to speak, and just be concerned with yourself. Cause if you start worrying about, Oh my God, like this person finished two hours quicker than me on Monday, that is going to jam you so mu- like jam you up so much for the rest of the week, yeah. you know? So, 
I don't think the cutoffs are exactly. I did exactly what you did, and I don't think any of the cutoffs are like ridiculously like unfathomable. Like, oh my god, I'm never going to be able to make it. But at the same time, like if you start getting inside your head and you start like you know losing traction, so to speak, it, you can slowly like lose some time. And I think it's just you just need to focus on like how you're feeling. Um, and really, I'm being honest. Like I feel like for Rachel and I. We'll, not that we have no idea what we're getting into, but I think having that nervousness and that anxiety is, is good. Like yeah. if we, if we went into this thing, like, ah, it's just another race, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I don't know. I've been training out in California and stuff before, but I, I don't know what it's like to kind of push my limits in regards to like running trail running in a hundred degree weather. So, um, just being realistic with yourself and, and not being too like having patience and stuff. I think that those are like the biggest things I need to like focus on going into this thing. Yeah. Perfect, man. And you know, yeah. as, as a, a dad, I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, dude, I have things like from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed, I'm so busy. Mm-hmm. There's so many different like aspects of my life. I have to like make sure to keep in order and things like that. And in that sense, I'm like doing something for six days where, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, but like at the end of the day, the most simplistic idea is that you're just moving forward the whole time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. just doing that and having that one task on my to-do list for a day, I'm like, that's almost relaxing, as weird as that sounds. This is like the easiest week you and I are, yeah. are looking forward <laughs> yeah. to in a long time, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I'll just, we'll just keep telling ourselves that. <laughs> no, I, I think, I, I think too, um, you know, I don't know about yourself, but like just being a dad and working and all those things, like some people ask me, you know, how do you ever find the time to like even do this stuff? Or like, you know, the, the time that you're taking away to go run a race on the weekends, aren't you afraid it's taking you away from this or something like that? And like, I can only speak, I can only speak for myself, but, um, when I'm, when I'm running or when I'm doing something like this, like it, it fills my cup and it helps me. There's a time and a place for me for everything. And, when I'm at work, I'm at work. And when I pick up the kids from school, I'm on as dad. And I feel like when, when people in their lives, when they do things that are fulfilling, it's, it's not selfish. It's not, you know, self-righteous or anything like that. But if you do things that fulfill you personally, then when you're doing other things that you may not, may not fall as high on the list. I mean, obviously for me, I'm, I'm a single dad and being a dad is one of my greatest achievements. And I take great pride in that. But you can't you can't put too much pressure on yourself and there are other responsibilities that we have as dads and and working and stuff like that so you know for me i think as long as you just keep everything all your priorities set and um you know ironically i think for me and you although it's going to be demanding and taunting and uh daunting rather um i think the week will be relaxing because it's like as you said it's just one foot in front of the other and keep moving forward. Don't stop. Don't give up on yourself. And at the end of the day, we'll all get to hang out with each other and give each other high fives. And that stuff, so. That's cool, man. Yeah. Well, dude, I'm looking forward to it. Like, I mean, as I'm sure you are to the point where I was like, man, this is all I can think about <laughs> over the last few days. So, yeah. 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 Should be cool, man. Well, no, thanks been, for coming been, on like the I show. Ever, absolutely. I, I really, really appreciate it. And ever since, uh, I found out we'd be doing this thing together. I've been following you on, you know, social media and just following up with your adventures and stuff like that. And it'll be, it'll, it'll be a true honor to like get, get to meet you in person and 
get to share an adventure together. Exactly so. the same, man. Let's let's do this after the race and hopefully have a bunch of crazy stories. <laughs> hopefully not involving right. rattlesnakes though, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll keep it PG PG 13 or something too. <laughs> Sounds good, man. <laughs> All right, we'll see you out there. All right. Thank you very much, Chris. Yep, bye. All right. So, super long intro breeds a super short outro hopefully uh thank you phil for joining me for the show so excited to meet you in person um i mean you just seem like an awesome amazing dude as i'm sure most of the racers or if not all of the racers will be during this uh if you're listening to this and you're driving down to moab right now to participate i am so unbelievably excited to meet you guys um that's part of it. I want to, I can't wait to just hang out with like-minded people in the desert. Uh, I can't think of a better way of spending an adventure week. So, uh, super pumped to meet you guys. Hopefully, you know, we all face all of the obstacles that are bound to be in our way. And, uh, and hopefully we bring a lot of sunscreen. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so that's it. Like I said at the intro, follow Gemini Adventures. They'll have updates um, linked with this episode, but also I'll post it on Facebook and Instagram and stuff. I'll post a link to our GPS tracker uh, so you can follow the quest on the Cocopelli Trail uh, that is the Desert Rats stage race. So, um, yeah, I can't wait to get back to you guys. Uh, episode 100 is going to be amazing. I'm hoping to bring a lot of the thoughts and lessons and maybe just actual real-time experiences uh, from the race to the episode. But, you know, in general, what I'm hoping for the most is to have a great adventure, learn something about myself, learn something about uh, what I'm capable of and, and what is important to me and really process some of the events, uh, that I've had in my life over the past few years. So, uh, and gain like a newfound respect for them. That's what I'm looking forward to the absolute most, um, along with the massive amount of chafing. (laughs) Uh, okay. I guess one last thing I want to leave you with, um, talked a lot in the beginning about legacy, check that book out. I'm only a fourth the way through it. And already it's blowing my mind. Like just such respect for, for the concept of humility. And you see that if you watch the Amazon series, it's called all or nothing about the New Zealand all blacks. Episode two, you see that humility. Um, They focus on one of their inside centers, which was my position in rugby. And I, I don't know his name. I apologize. Uh, So sorry, I'm looking it up really quick. Um, But anyways, this guy is not only, a player for the best rugby team in the world, but he is, um, he boxes like in his free time. He's like, what are you doing in your free time? I box. And it's like, Oh, that's cool, man. I'm glad you have something to, to do. That's not rugby related. But then he'd be like, Oh yeah, I'm also like the champion in New Zealand. So <laughs> he's not only, uh, just a star athlete in rugby, but he's also a star athlete in boxing. And so your initial gut reaction when you see something like this is like, man, I bet that guy's like egotistical. I bet he is like full of himself, you know, cocky. And he might be, he may be a bit cocky, but there's a scene 
in the show where he gets a red card. He like hit somebody. It's a pretty brutal hit. It was a legal hit. So he gets a red card and he's kicked out the rest of the game and the All Blacks have to play a man down the rest of the game. So it's like in hockey, when you get someone in the penalty box, you don't have that extra player for two minutes. But in rugby, it's if someone gets a red card, he's out the remainder of the game. So the remainder of the game is 14 versus 15 at that point. Uh, and they end up losing. And it's tough. Like they interview him afterwards and you can... You see this guy who, you know, you're, if you're stereotyping him, you'd see him as this selfish person and some guy who's like, I'm a professional athlete. I'm only out for myself here. Um, and you see him break for a second where he's like, yeah, it sucks that I'm getting fined and I'm be out for a couple games. Like it sucks for me because I've worked so hard to achieve this for myself and he says that, but then you see him like tear up for a second and he's like, but I let the boys down. I let my team down and that's where it really stings. And that's where it hurts the worst. We lost that game most likely because I did something stupid and I was kicked out the rest of the game. And you can see that's where it hurts him the most that he let down the team. And it's, there's something bigger than himself there. Um, which is so cool. It's so cool to see. So like I said, guys, I mean, I guess I'll leave you there. Um, find humility this week, go out and actively search it out by asking questions, uh, self-reflection. That's the easiest way to find it. So, all right, I got one more run. I got one more run to do before doing this race. So I'm about to go run up a mountain. So we will get back at you next week with just kind of a regular episode. And then we'll get back at you in a few weeks after that with the uh, Desert Rats stage race. Everything that went right and the abundance of way more things probably that went wrong. All right, talk to you then.